Today is uh, kind of the, I don't want to say the end, because it's not the end, but, uh, you know, a few months back, uh, the deacons and I got together, and we were kind of looking for what direction uh, the Lord was telling us to go in. And we went together, and, and we, we thought, we prayed, we thought, we talked, talked some more, talked a little bit more, and we prayed a little bit more. Eventually, they said, let's really, let's look at what the original church was like. Let's take a, a snapshot from the book of Acts and take a look at what it was the very beginning, the beginning of the first organized church. And let's, let's just, let's walk through the book of Acts, which you've seen now. You've seen it for three months, September, October, and November. This is the last of what we came up with. We came up with a little spreadsheet of all the texts that we're going to talk about, the key focus verses we're going to talk about, the title, the target, and then the different things that we, were, that, that we wanted to make sure that, we, that the message was driven home. The message of what Jesus is doing in and for the church today by looking at the example of the original church, okay? And so we started off with back to the basics, remember? Back to the basics where we looked at, at the four pillars, the fellowship, the worship, the breaking of bread and prayer with a kind of the overall sermon guide or sermon title of taking it to the streets. We then went to the first month where we saw the growing church, the vision of faith, the organization of the church, the church filled with fire, and we handed out little glow sticks so you'd remember about Pentecost and what the Holy Spirit does. Then we decided to go and look at how it was built. We, we, now we see that the Holy Spirit was, was filling and, 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 and was, at, was at work, but how was, it, how was it being done? Well, we looked at justification being preached. We looked at the essentials for survival. We looked at the giving church and then the proper order of the church. And so then we said, well, what is essential for us also in, was water. We need water to live. The water of life, which is given to us by Jesus Christ himself. So we, Holy Spirit's working. It's present. And you're being filled with something that keeps you moving, refreshes you. Both are coming back to what God is wanting to hear and wanting to tell us. But then we talked about God-given power. And we talked about what, that Jesus wants not just a few, he wants everyone. Then we talked about the, the, the church guide, the, the guide of a church right here. And today we're going to talk about being all in. And when I say all in, I'm not talking about you being all in, which we will eventually. But guess who was all in first? Jesus Christ himself. He went all in and went to the cross. So I'm like, well, man, what do we do as a, as a handout? You know, all, I kept coming back to because my brother is a blackjack pit boss down in Florida. And I'm like, man, I can get him to send me a whole bunch of poker chips. And I'm like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't work. That doesn't jive. That's not it. And, and so I said, well, what, what, what's the main focus of being all in? 
And so you have in your bulletin a little, a little reminder. It's two-sided. One side has our name and, and taking it to, to, to the streets. That's on there. But then on the back is the verse that really is kind of a direction of being all in. Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Being all in. And today, we're going to step through the last five verses of Acts chapter 4 as we see kind of, I don't want to say, like I said, not the close, but, but being that, that, this is, that this is kind of the stepping stone towards chapter 5, where next week we're going to look at Ananias and Sapphira. Welcome to Christmas present early. But some of you got that. Some of you will have to come back next week to get it, to understand it. Because it's all about giving and gifts next week. But this is the where it's kind of, all right, foundation set. Church is moving. I was there. This is Jesus. He was there. He told them what's going to happen. He then showed them as he went to heaven. He then said, go back, and I'm going to send the helper, the fire. Remember? He fulfilled his promise. And then he got them and trained them up to go. I'm all in for you, now be all in for me. And so from next week on, we're going to look at some of the acts in Acts. And look at what the disciples did with all that they were taught to be all in. Okay? So today as we take a look at, at, at these last five verses that Dean just read for us, it is in Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through 37. And we're going to take a look at here that we see that the believers had prayed and God's Spirit had filled them and given them new power. That the church that depended on believing prayer will know the blessings of the Holy Spirit in its, in its ministry. But I'm, I'm going to say here, how can we tell when a local church is really filled with the Holy Spirit? How can we tell that our church, the local church, is filled with the Holy Spirit? We have to go back to the record of the first filling at Pentecost. So, if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 2, we'll go back to what we just read. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, where it says this. <clears throat> they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with all of them as everyone needed, or as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness, sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So, 
What do you think the first thing that we see in Scripture that we just read, but also the very first verse of what we read to, that Dean read this morning? We'll read it again. Chapter 4, verse 32. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. A church that is really filled with the Holy Spirit is filled with unity in Jesus Christ. This is a God-given spiritual unity. Not a man-made organizational uniformity. The church is a body or an organism that is held together by guess who? Thank you. You can say it. It's okay. His name is Jesus. It's being held together by Jesus and his life. And that life comes through and that today we get it with the Holy Spirit. Of course the, must, the church must be organized. I love organization, but for an organism, it's not organized. But if the organism is not organized, guess what's going to happen to it? It's going to die. Here, Christ spent three years walking these men around, teaching anyone who would listen. He was setting the ground level, the ground rules for being unified. What happens in a, in a, in a family or a church or, or, or a business when everybody's doing different things and no one really knows what else, is, what, what else they're doing? I think we all know. What happens if, if all of a sudden Boeing had all their executives go in this direction and all their, all their, all their trained men that were putting the, the, the planes together were going to do it this way and then all the HR people were doing it this way and all the other administrative people were doing it this way? What's going to happen? <laughs> we're taking the train is what we're taking. As you know, it, it, Gavin, I love hearing him talk about his flying and hearing of some of the stories that he gets to tell me some, some, sometimes. I know for a fact, because he tells me about the kind of the, the order of which, of who's in the cockpit. And, you know, I'm doing this or I'm this person. They got the captain, they got the. Can you imagine if the captain says, Move over, everybody, I got this, all by myself? And they all said, Okay, we're going for coffee. Maybe, they, maybe it could fly by itself for a while. But you know, everybody's needed. Well, here, Christ is being teaching and has been teaching about unifying them together. About bringing everybody on the same page. About that they're all of one heart and one mind. They have the same goal. They have the same vision. Verse 32 we just read is, 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 is that yes, there are going to be differences of opinion that are inevitable among human personalities. And, 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 and actually it can be helpful if handled well. But spiritual unity is essential. Loyalty, commitment, 
The love for God and for his word. Because without spiritual unity, guess what? The church will not survive. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, and he urged the church in Corinth towards a greater unity, towards a greater to a greater th- uh, 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 bringing together on one thought, in one mind, to do one thing, and that is to worship Christ the King. But however, when the organization starts to hinder spiritual life and ministry, then the church becomes just another religious institution that exists to keep itself going. Have we ever heard that? Where the church is just trying to keep going? Yes. The answer is yes. Well, we could probably make it for another three years. The giving doesn't go up. The attendance doesn't go up. We're going to be out of it. Does that ever happen? It does. I was at a meeting, not at this church, but I was at a meeting at a church once where one of the council members had a spreadsheet of how many months was left before we'd have to close the doors. Ouch. That hurts, doesn't it? Because what's the focus? Money? This is my church. I, it's my rules. It's not, that's not what it was built for. You know, forever, ever, ever. I remember I got to seminary, and I was like, man, I can run businesses, and so I know I'm going to run a church. Watch me go. I'm going to have the biggest church in the entire world, probably. They're going to be lining up. Because I got all the answers. Guess what? I have no clue. God does, though. When I don't know what to do, Heaven Father, help. Where do you want me to go today? What do you want me to do today? This. Okay. Yes, sir. But, Lord, I'd rather do this. Lord, I'd rather clean the gutters on the church today than go visiting. Poof. Call 911, please. Really? But God's trying to protect the body of Christ, the church, and bring unity so that we're all on the same page that we're pushing and bringing glory and honor to His name. When the Holy Spirit is at work, God's people will be united in their doctrinal beliefs as well as in their fellowship, in their giving, and in their worship. A growing church is unified and working as one unit for the teaching and preaching of law and gospel. Doing what it takes to reach and disciple people for Jesus. 
they're unified to take it to the streets. That's the first thing we see. Second thing we see through this passage of Scripture is that it is the, the, a, a holy-filled, spirit-filled church is magnified. Not the church is magnified. Jesus is magnified in the church. Brought together in Christ, magnified. Magnified in Jesus Christ, where people are are, are attracted to it. They cannot get enough of it. In spite of the oppression of the rulers and common people, they're drawn to the believers because something new and exciting was happening. When the religious leaders tried to silence the church, guess what? They, they were scared. They were in fear that the people would be upset with them. So let's go further. Acts, Acts chapter 4, 32 through 35. So we're going to 33 next. And with the great power of the apostles, we're giving testimony. Did you get that? They were taking it to the streets. They were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land and houses would sell them and bring the proceeds to the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each of those that were in need. Okay, so here we're seeing the early church was able to share possessions and property as the result of the unification that was brought by the Holy Spirit. And now they're working in and through the believers' lives. I don't have enough money to give. Okay? Then don't. Because we're going to see that next week. Ananias and Sapphira. It's going to be good. One of my favorite things. <clears throat> but what else can we share? When you are spiritually needy, what do you need? If you're spiritually needy, do you need a thousand bucks? Probably not. How about if you're spiritually needy, do you need uh, 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 a brand new house? Probably not. When you're spiritually needy, you need to be fed. You need to be filled up by the power of the Holy Spirit. To not magnify you, to magnify Him. Today we talked, in confirmation, we talked about honor, uh, 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 keep the Sabbath day holy. Okay? What does that mean? That means that we are to be fed by the Word and to give our mind and body a rest. Well, that's comforting. God cares about me. I shouldn't work seven days a week. Now, I'm saying that there are some people that have to work on Sundays. This is one of them. Some of you know other people that have to work on Sundays. But you need to find time to spiritually feed and be fed. You know, we're, I was giving, I was giving the, the, the class an, an example. I get more spiritually fed by preaching than going anywhere else. Because what's happening is God's talking directly to me. And you guys are going to get the leftovers. 
I'm eating first. And as you see, I don't miss too many meals. I love being fed by God. To being brought when those days that you're down and you just were like, I, 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 I got nothing today, Lord. I just want to go back to bed, roll over, unplug the alarm clock, keep the shades down. I'm done. And he goes, is that magnifying me? Nope. He's teaching the apostles and the believers to magnify. Here we see that they're sharing, the sharing that they were doing was voluntary. That they didn't involve any private property. But also, there was no one in need. It was not a, a membership requirement in order to be a part of this church. The spiritual unity and generosity of these early believers attracted others to them. And we're not talking, well, we can all get a little if we all get together. No. There was something that they had that was the most important thing. They had unity, and they worshiped the Savior. And it was attractive. It was beautiful. Bunch of old, stinky, dirty fishermen were attractive because of what Jesus was doing and being magnified in their life. Yes, a spirit-filled church will have its enemies, but what the Lord, but what the Lord is doing will attract the attention and the admiration of people who are hungry to know God. So I'm going to ask you, what's most important in your life? How do you feel about your possessions? How can we adopt that same attitude that everything we have comes from God? I love that they said they brought it all to the apostles' feet and just dropped it. Please don't bring me your money and drop it in front of me. It's not going to be a good day. No. What I want you to do more than anything is to listen to the Spirit of the Lord in your heart and He'll tell you what you're supposed to do. He'll lead you to where you see someone that's needy and you come alongside. I know you're down. How can I love you today? And we are just talking about these, these, these gifts we're going to be sending out. And Peter came up with a I think something that is just fantastic. I'd love to, and we'll talk about this more on Tuesday. No, next Tuesday. Is it this Tuesday? Oh, this Tuesday? Okay. I can't wait. I love meetings. They're my favorite. But we are going to get some cards together. They're all going to be, they're all going to look the same. I'm kind of trying to figure it out. I, need, I think we need to figure out putting Elam on the front or something. But handwritten notes to the families. Here's, here's the name. Here's their kids' names. Send them a handwritten note. Let them know how much you're thinking about them and that you did this out of the love of your heart, the love that Jesus put in your heart. Guess what? It, it's going to 
pay like you don't know. Not in anything for us. Magnify him. We want you to have this because Jesus loves you. And so do I. Even though I've never met you. Can you imagine getting one of those letters? Can you? Out from a stranger? Just letting you know, I'm praying for you. Thinking about you. If there's anything I can do to help, let me know. That one thing's going to mean more than anything. Because it doesn't magnify you, it magnifies him. And that's what was being taught to the apostles and what the apostles were now teaching others. So as we see that they have been magnified, we see that they, that they, that they, they are united. The last thing is that the Spirit-filled church is then multiplied. Multiplied, bringing people in because the Lord will daily add new believers to the church. Evangelism is not the work of a, of, of a chosen few, but the daily delight and, of ministry of the whole congregation. In this early church, each member sought to be an effective witness for Jesus, no matter what had happened. No wonder the church grew from 120 to 5,000. That's just the men. They multiplied. But this is where we get introduced to another new person. This is so cool. Listen to this. Verse 36 of Acts chapter 4. Now, Joseph, a Levite of, uh, of, of he was born in Cyprus, who had also been, who is also called Bar- Barnabas by the apostles, which translates meaning son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, and he sold it and brought the money and let at the apostles' feet. Here we see Barnabas, Joseph, was a respected leader of the church. He was a Levite. Those who understand, a Levite were the ones that were there to lead worship and to be the priests, to, to handle the temple, the affairs of the temple. So he was very learned. Okay? And so this Barnabas is now being introduced to us. He was a Levite, like I said, and from birth, and a member of the Jewish tribe, and he was there to carry out the temple duties, but his family moved to Cyprus. So Barnabas didn't serve the temple, but he did travel with Paul on Paul's first ministry journey. I love his nickname, just like Dean said. His name means son of encouragement, as he's introduced many times. But here, first, let's understand who this man is, okay? He was a generous giver. Dr. Luke tells us this. Dr. Luke says he's not just a generous giver. He was an, he, he, his noble act apparently filled some other people, which we're going to talk about next week, uh, with envy, so they wanted to attempt to impress the church. But like I said, that's next week. Come back next week for the rest of the story. I know I just aged myself. Young people, ask your parents who that is. Anyways, Barnabas had the most important ministry. And we see him 25 times in the book of Acts. Another five times through the epistles. Barnabas is the one who encouraged Paul in the early service for the Lord. Who gave his, his cousin John Mark the encouragement he needed after his failure. There was much we do not, we did not know about Barnabas, but this we do know. He was a spirit 
filled man. He was an encourager. He encouraged the church. He encouraged the leaders. He encouraged those that were there. Not every believer, I'm going to tell you this, everybody, church, not every believer is a Peter or a John or a Paul. Nope. But you know what we can all be? A Barnabas. A Barnabas. To come alongside somebody and encourage them. To come alongside somebody and say, I just want to know what's going on to help you. Could just even just be a prayer. So, recap, what does this mean today? What does it mean today? Well, those last six verses. Sounds a lot like they were just giving money away. No. It's dealing with the heart. Doing right here with what makes a believer tick. Unified in Jesus Christ. Magnifying not self, but Jesus Christ. And multiplying to reach those that are lost. It says that they were reaching out and witnessing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ daily. How does that work? How does it happen? Yesterday at men's breakfast, by the way, Jack is a phenomenal cook, just letting you know. He can make some mean eggs. But yesterday, we were, one of the guys that was there talked about how um, he was on his way to work, and there was a person that was at a gas station, and, and uh, the hood was up, and definitely something was wrong. And uh, they needed to jump. And this man didn't have jumper cables in his, in his, in his truck. So he didn't know. He went inside and bought jumper cables. Went out and jumped the car. And then what he said kind of floored me a little. Because they went away and he goes, I felt kind of good in my heart. You know, help somebody. Da -da -da. But he goes, wait a second. I didn't tell him about Jesus. I had an opportunity. Okay? My response to that is, yes, you did. Because who put that thought in your mind to go in and buy those jumper cables? Your own pride? Oh, I can't wait to go spend another 50 bucks. No. The love of God in his heart pushed him to do that. Then to start the vehicle, and they drove away. Can you imagine the conversation they had? The world's not all bad. Because the devil would rather say, Phooey, let him sit there. Sorry for your luck. But the Lord wants you to step in and be a Barnabas. That's what these six verses are about today. Of letting God lead you. as he tells you, and puts people in your path, opportunities for you to show the love, the grace, mercy, and love. You knew I had to get in there somewhere. 
the grace, mercy, and love of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Lord, I love you, and I thank you, and I praise you. Lord, I thank you for how you do teach us through your word and how it continues to go deep inside of our hearts. Let it continue to sit in our minds and in our hearts today and let us be the men and women, men and women that you want us to be. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand and sing with us our closing song, Yet Not.